0: Chapter 27, Epona The pattering rain pelted the small shelter. Link sat inside, keeping vigil beside Sheik as Rin tended to her injuries. There didn't seem to be a lot they could do at the moment, except wait. Sheik lay on a bedroll, the bed that had once belonged to a Kokiri, Now serving as a makeshift table. The younger Sheikah's features were deathly pale, a fever now sapping her strength. Will she be all right? Link wondered, careful not to voice the question aloud. He felt Navi shift on his shoulder and then fly into the air. Where are you going? he asked. Just. Navi faltered, her voice hoarse with grief. There's something I need to do. I'll be back. With that, Navi flew off out the door. Link considered going after her, but then decided that Navi would not appreciate that just now. Instead, he turned his attention back to Sheik. He didn't think she could travel now. It had taken all her strength to harm Ganondorf. And he still didn't understand what had happened. What did she do, exactly? He remembered the look in Ganondorf's eyes when the spell struck him. Fear. Whatever Sheik had done, it hurt Ganondorf. For the first time, Link realized that the Desert Man was vulnerable. He wasn't the near all-powerful figure Link had perceived him as during their fateful encounter on the drawbridge of Castletown. How could they repeat Sheik's spell The effort had almost killed her. If Rin had not arrived when she did… Link left the thought unfinished. It was better not to dwell on what might have happened. As if sensing his troubled thoughts, and without looking up as she applied a wet compress to Sheik's brow, Rin asked him to recount what happened after Volvagia entered the Kokiri Grove. Reluctantly, Link obliged. He drew a deep breath and told her everything finishing with Sheik's attack on Ganondorf. Rin did not interrupt Link once, for which he was grateful. As his story wore on, her eyes seemed to become stone-like, which almost unnerved him. Once Link finished, she gave the faintest hint of a frown and gazed in Sheik's direction. "'She will be all right, won't she?' he asked worriedly. Much to Link's discomfort, Rin did not reply immediately. I am certain she will be, but it may be many days until she is fit to travel. I guess that means I'm going to Death Mountain on my own. As silence grew between them, Link found one question nagging in his mind. It was something that Sheik had uttered when Rin revived her. Unable to keep from asking, he blurted out, I heard Sheik call you Impa. That sharp, unflinching gaze, the way she held herself, and the sound of Rin's voice was familiar. Although Rin did not physically resemble Impa, except for those red eyes, her mannerisms were the same. Link recalled meeting her with perfect clarity, It was difficult to forget the ring of guards that surrounded him when he first met Zelda. Nor did he forget Impa coming to his rescue as Ganondorf watched him with those burning eyes. Nor had he forgotten how she marched him out of the castle grounds before escorting him to Kakariko Village. You are Impa, aren't you? he asked. There was a long pause. With a twitch of a smile, Rin closed her eyes, and the air rippled around her. With a startled yelp, Link nearly fell over backward in shock. The figure in front of him changed, Rin's features quickly aging. Then, her gray hair bound into a ponytail, Impa gazed at him with her familiar red, hawk-like eyes. War, it seemed, had not agreed with her. There were lines across her brow. And around her eyes that hadn't been there before and her cheeks were gaunt sheikah have always been masters of illusion and disguise normally i am more careful not to slip back into old habits how did you do that link asked unable to keep the amazement from his voice shadow magic impa explained simply reaching for a chain around her neck to reveal an indigo medallion tucked within her blouse Embossed upon the medallion was a symbol of a triangle and three intertwining circles upon its surface. This medallion can store shadow magic without having to touch the taint that has blemished it. It was buried in Kakariko following the Sheikah schism, Impa explained. Shadow magic is feared by most people, and for good reason. Why the disguise? Link asked. Why did you not tell me it was you?" He did not like being deceived. Not after so much of his old life as a Kokiri seemed to lie. Not after the secrets the Great Deku Tree and Soraya kept from him. Even if they were only trying to protect him from harm. He could not help but feel angry that Impa had not revealed herself earlier. It was because of Impa and Zelda's lack of warning did unwittingly let Ganondorf reach the Sacred Realm. Hyrule and the other occupants of the Ten Kingdoms believe I was killed when Hyrule Castle fell. Almost all the surviving members of the royal family and the Sheikah were slaughtered. I rescued Sheik and fled to Kakariko with the other refugees, Impa said without a hint of emotion. It would not be appropriate for me to be wandering around Hyrule as Impa when I am supposed to be dead, lost, in the fall of Castletown." The mere mention of that terrible night threatened to open a floodgate of memories that Lincoln little desired to revisit. He shut his eyes, briefly envisaging a candle flame in his mind, to try and force the memories away. His efforts barely worked. "'Are you unwell?' Impa asked. Her voice softening with concern. No, it's, it's nothing, Link lied. He opened his eyes and looked away, his mouth suddenly dry. What happened that night? When I saw you with Zelda on the drawbridge. It was Impa's turn to go quiet, and Link realized those memories were likely also unpleasant for her. Only, unlike him, she knew how to handle herself. Nothing had prepared Link for that ill fated night. Impa turned her gaze to Sheik, as though afraid they might disturb her. With a gesture, she ushered Link outside. Taking her cue, he turned on his heels and slammed his head into the doorframe. Ah! he groaned. Impa made no comment as he rubbed his throbbing skull. Stepping outside, Link turned around to face the wizened Sheikah. They managed to keep within the shade of a balcony which sheltered them from the worst of the rain. A lot happened that night, Impa began slowly. I will keep it brief, as recounting all the details would do us little good. I gather Sheik told you how Ganondorf was able to attack Hyrule Castle so swiftly? No, neither did Rauru, Link admitted. He had wondered just how Ganondorf managed to invade Castletown, catching its residents and protectors unawares. That isn't surprising, Impa said, a hint of weariness in her voice. Using an ancient gateway, Ganondorf summoned an army with Castletown. If not for Nabooru, I may never have discovered what he'd done. For a moment, Impa paused. She folded her arms, looking at the trees in the fading light. When I fled Castletown, I sensed Rauru approaching. He said he would take you to the temple. He made no mention of his injury and told me to give you the Ocarina of Time. He hoped to get you there and undo what Ganondorf had done. Unfortunately, Ganondorf was not fooled into following us as I'd expected. When I realized this and sensed Volvagia's approach, I ordered him to distract Ganondorf as best he could. Unfortunately, dragons are proud creatures, and Volvagia greatly underestimated Ganondorf's strength. After that night, Zelda and I began rallying Hyrule's neighbors into an alliance. It has not been an easy task. Where is Zelda now? Link asked, hoping Impa would tell him. Impa regarded him gravely. I cannot tell you where she is. Not without risking everything. It would only take one creature to tell Ganondorf where she was, and we risk everything. Is she safe? Link asked, hoping for at least some details on Zelda's well-being. Impa gave a small nod. She is. But as much as I want to fill you in on what you have missed, we must consider Ganondorf's threat to the Gorons. He said he'd kill one Goron a day until I arrived, Link said, reiterating what he'd already told her. Yes, Impa said, sounding deep in thought. There is a chance he could be bluffing. It would be an easy way to lure you into Death Mountain. What if it is a trap? Link felt like an idiot. Why hadn't he considered that? I can't just stay here, he protested lamely. We will lose the Sage of Fire. I have to find them. If they experience the same dreams as Saraya, they will be in danger. I know. Impa's voice was calm. But if Ganondorf knows you're coming, you will be in great danger. Darunia and the other Gorons will help me, Link insisted. I helped them lift the curse on their cavern. Yes, I remember that. Impa said with stiff disapproval. I was not pleased with Darunia's decision. It was foolhardy and almost cost you your life. I think I'm getting used to finding myself in life-threatening situations, Link replied stubbornly. Yes, no doubt you are, Impa said dryly. Impa, I have to do this. Sheik would have wanted it, Link said, desperately trying to convince her. Besides... I have Navi. Impa regarded him for a moment, and then she sighed heavily. All right. Just promise me you won't travel by day. I won't. The idea of traveling by night did not sit well with him. He could not hope to make it to Death Mountain before dawn, even if he could ride Blaze to the point of collapse, which would have been incredibly stupid. Blaze might be big and sturdy for a horse, but he was already spent from trying to outrun a dragon while fully laden. If Ganondorf is not bluffing, then at least one Goron will die. I will send a bird to Darunia to let him know you're coming, and to warn him of Ganondorf's plot if he's not aware of it already, and see that my eyes and ears keep a lookout for you, Impa said. You're what? Link asked, feeling stupid. Spies, Impa explained patiently. In the meantime, I will seat a blaze so you can take him. That would just leave Impa with her horse, Silver. They'd considered using the portal in the Sacred Forest Meadow to get to Kakariko Village, but using it would alert every nearby mage to their presence, and so that particular idea had been quickly discarded. The portal in Death Mountain wasn't an option either not unless the Gorons could ensure there wasn't an angry dragon waiting for them at the other end. What about you and Sheik? There are plenty of herbs in the forest that can help her. I just need to find them first. The Kokiri can help find them, Link said immediately, interrupting once again. Between Soraya and their fairies, most of the Kokiri knew where to find herbs for making potions and remedies for a variety of ailments. I will ask them, Impa said. As soon as she can travel, I will join you. She held out her hand, palm open, to reveal a ring. It contained a red gem in its center, surrounded by a small gleaming golden band. This will protect you from the elements, including fire. So long as I don't go sticking my hand in anything that's likely to take my finger off. Outside the forest, I will have to resume my disguise. We will be safe here. Go, find Navi. I will finish tending to blaze soon, Impa said, while Link took one of his gauntlets off and slipped the ring on his finger. Thinking Impa, he walked back to the edge of the clearing, passing the first branch Deku tree. There, beside one of the trees, he found Navi, kneeling beside the burnt remains of Moriko. A small group of Kokiri were gathered at the foot of the tree, drawn by the anguished cries of their fairies as the sprites rushed to Moriko's side. Some, sensing their charges would be distraught at the sight of the mangled body, kept everyone at a distance. Mori, hovering beside Foreign's, whispered something to him. The boy nodded and calmly ordered the others to keep their distance, before going to see what the fairies were looking at. Moriko was almost unrecognizable, her flesh and clothing burnt to a cinder, and just from a single spell. The Kokiri murmured to each other as Forens knelt by the body. He stared at the corpse blankly, as if unable to believe what he was seeing. Making sure none of the Kokiri were close enough to get a good look at Moriko, Link walked over to Forens. Navi didn't acknowledge either of them, and Link peered at the grief-stricken fairy with concern. I'm sorry, Navi, Link thought, his heart aching. I'm... I'm sorry we couldn't save her. He made no attempt to offer consoling words, knowing that they would be a cold comfort now. Forens looked up at Link, and relief spread across his face. Link, you're okay. Was anyone hurt? Link asked. No, Foren said, his voice a rush. No, I got everyone away in time. when we heard the roars, we feared the worst. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. A dragon Here, I thought they were just stories. It's gone now, Link told him, trying to sound comforting. Did you kill it? Forens asked, a note of shock and awe breaking through the grief in his voice. No, but I made sure it won't come back. For the sake of Forens and the others, Link hoped he was right. He looked at Navi as she began to join the other fairies in a strange lament. The haunting song rose in volume, and Link was soon transfixed by the melody. More fairies appeared from the woods. Some landed on Moriko. Others rested on the limbs of the Deku tree. What are they doing? Forns asked, sounding bewildered. I don't know, Link whispered. He was tempted to ask Navi, but he doubted she would appreciate him asking right now. Then, a white light enveloped Moriko. Link jumped back, barely holding a cry of shock. The other Kokiri stepped away as well, including Forens. What's happening? One boy squeaked in alarm. I don't know, Link replied. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. If it was, the fairies would be the first to tell them. For now, they all stood watching the bizarre spectacle. Then the fairies began to fly away. One by one, ending their sorrowful song. Navi? Link asked, voicing his concern as Navi perched on his shoulder. She didn't respond. Moments later, tiny flecks of golden light gathered around Moriko's body, and suddenly her corpse seemed to burn as millions of dazzling dancing fireflies rose from it, like tiny embers drifting into the sky. When they faded, there was no sign of Moriko's mangled body. She was simply gone. Farewell, mother. Navi whispered as the last of the light vanished. The Kokiri were muttering in astonishment. It took Link a while to find his voice and unstick his tongue. Navi, what just happened? Moriko is part of the forest now. Some of us will have to take on her role someday, Navi said solemnly. Come on, it's getting late. The others should get some sleep. Forens, you should probably take the others and go back to the temple. Link doubted any of the Kokiri were going to sleep well tonight. He doubted he was going to sleep much either, not when Volvagia and Ganondorf were still out there, nursing the wounds of their defeat. Although he'd heard some people could sleep in the saddle, he was nowhere near skilled enough to try that on his ride to Death Mountain. Lon Lon Village would have an inn at least. At least, he hoped it would have one. If it was still there. "'I will see to them,' came Impa's voice from behind Link. "'Blaze is ready for you when you want to go. Thank the goddesses he wasn't injured.' Just be careful. Sheik and I will try to join you soon. Navi gave a squeak of shock at the sight of the old Sheikah, and with considerable difficulty, Link was able to stall her barrage of questions. I'll tell you later, Link insisted once she calmed down. She seemed to accept his answer, but she did not look terribly pleased about it. Link turned to Forens. The boy was staring at him with a pained expression, as though he wanted more than anything for Link to stay. Come back soon, Link, he said, his voice cracking with emotion. Besides, I've missed sparring with you. He gave a shaky laugh. You're probably too tall now. I'd go easy on you, Link said, managing a weak smile. A small smile tugged at the corner of Foran's mouth. Brightening his otherwise tired face. Yeah, I'm sure you would, just keep safe. Tell the others why I've gone, Link said. It tore him to be leaving them again. I'm sure they'll understand, Forens replied. Come, it's getting late, Impa said firmly. With a final farewell to Link, she steered Forens off towards the others who quickly surrounded him with a storm of questions. They disappeared into the woods, their chattering fading into the night. When he found Blaze, Link saw Impa had removed Sheik's saddlebags. The horse was probably relieved to bear a lighter burden. Navi flew into her small abode in his pocket, and Link mounted. Reluctantly, and almost sullenly, Blaze answered Link's tug on the reins. It was almost as if the horse wished to convey its displeasure at leaving Impa and Sheik behind. So it was without further delay, that Link rode into the deepening night. A cool wind ruffled Link's hair as he and Navi made their way through the darkness of Hyrule Field. Their only landmark was the faint red hue of the clouds surrounding the peak of Death Mountain. Navi was sleeping in Link's tunic. It was far too risky for her to come out, and her light would be like a tiny beacon. Hyrule Field was far quieter than the woods. There were no chirping insects, not even the sharp bark of a prowling fox. The only sound was the dead grass crunching beneath Blaze's hooves. The moon rose, its pale silver light bathing the sky, its pale silver light bathing the dry and barren plains below. It's like it's dead, Link thought, surveying what little he could see of Hyrule Field just like the forest was before we lifted the curse. Link felt restless. Not having his sword belted to his side did not help his growing in ease. He almost felt naked without his blade at his side. It seemed almost ironic that he could detest wielding the master sword and yet feel utterly lost without it. Deciding that he was alone in these desolate plains, and even if they did cross paths with another traveler, nobody was going to recognize the sword or shield in the dark, he donned it on. This gave Blaze a short moment to rest, for which the horse seemed grateful. Navi did not protest their brief stop, which was unusual for her. She had spoken little since Moriko's death. Recalling the way she had died made Link feel cold, and brought his mind back to his immediate task. Finding Volvagia and stopping him. Link gazed up at the thousands of tiny pinpricks of light sprinkling the sky, half expecting to see the silhouette of a serpentine creature cutting a shadow across the stars. If Ganondorf healed Volvagia and confronted him out here in the open, Link was not sure he would survive. Was that what he intended? Better to be attacked here than the forest, he thought. Here. Nobody else would be endangered if he was attacked. Link's eyes drooped as he drifted into a drowsy stupor. There was no sound except the steady thumping of Blaze's hooves. Twice he jerked awake as he nearly slipped from the saddle, prompting a mild and muffled outburst from Navi. What are you doing? She demanded on the third occasion. Can't you stay on that horse? Link winced at the angry comment, apologizing for his mistake. But refraining from calling her out for being rude. He knew she was just upset and she didn't mean it. He slumped in the saddle as he grew accustomed to the rhythm of Blaze's gait. He tried to shake himself out of his stupor, willing himself to stay focused on something that would help him stay awake. In the distance, the black monolith of Ganondorf's tower loomed tall. The tiered monstrosity of black stone rose into the heavens, an obscene reminder to all that Ganondorf now ruled Hyrule. Approaching so close to the tower seemed dangerous. If Ganondorf knew where Link was, and that he was alone, he would attack. The night offered no refuge from the creatures of shadow. Thump. 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 Link's head drooped against his chest as he struggled to keep his eyes open. He knew he should stop for the night. Not here. That would be a bad idea. Even a tree that he could climb up and secure himself to would be safer than the ground. He had no rope to make sure he did not fall out. Nor were there many trees in Hyrule Field that might offer shelter. He could smell the earthy scents of the woods. Soraya was calling him. Hey, Link, I brought you something. Blackberries. Link's stomach grumbled, and he could taste the tart juice of the berries in his mouth, even as he thought of them. It was a welcome morsel during a day's hunt. He was surprised to see her. Saraya never joined him on hunts. She hated them. I know what day it is, she quipped. Then suddenly... Her warm smile faded, and her expression became one of fear. Saraya, what's what's wrong? he asked. All thought of the berries fading. Link, wake up Hey Sarah was yelling at him. Was it even Saraya? It sounded more like a, a fairy. What? Wake up! Navi screeched at to the top of her lungs. Link's eyes snapped open as Blaze reared with a shrill neigh. Disoriented and dizzy, Link fumbled for the reins. Before he could snatch hold of them, something heavy and furry struck him hard, knocking him from the saddle. Link hit the ground, rolling as he did so, and reached for his sword as the rancid stench of a wolfose assaulted him. Seconds before its teeth could sink into his throat, Link slammed a fist into the beast's muzzle. The wolf all snarled and snapped its jaws shut on his gauntlet. One hand still free, Link wrenched the master sword free of its sheath and slammed it into the grotesque hound. Navi's glow reflected in the hungry eyes of a second wolf as it bounded towards him. He slammed his shield into its face. The hound fell back. Not to be deterred from the prospect of food, it rose on its back feet and howled. Link leaped forward just as it lunged at him. Dirty claws scratched against his shield as Link charged. He swung, his sword biting through flesh as it struck its target. The wolfos went down with a whimper, but Link's relief was short-lived. Behind him, he could hear the telltale sounds of the beast's pack members prowling him. Link spun around just in time to cut his blade through the muzzle of another wolfos. The animal yelped, lashing its claws at him as it tried to reach for his throat. A quick thrust to the head stopped it in its tracks. Link stood panting as the adrenaline drained from his body. The respite was fleeting. A cry from Navi alerted him to more wolfos. Only then did he realize that these two were not interested in attacking him. They were after Blaze. No, not my horse. Losing his horse now would mean it would take far longer to reach Death Mountain. Losing his horse now would mean it would take far longer to reach Death Mountain. Link bolted forward, knowing what was at stake if Blaze was injured. A savage kick from Blaze connected with one beast's skull with a sickening crack. The wolfos went still while its packmate snarled and leaped onto the horse's shoulder. No! Link bellowed. Blaze let out a horrifying scream and fell, sending both itself and the wolf-host slamming into the dirt. The wolf-host yelped, struggling to break free. It never succeeded as Link shoved the master sword into its head. Are there any left? he asked, whirling around to find Navi. I don't think so, she replied, her voice trembling. I just heard a howl. When you didn't say anything, I flew out of your pocket and... She looked at Blaze. The horse had rolled onto its uninjured side and was kicking wildly. Navi flew over to the downed horse with Link following close behind her. To his dismay, there was a grisly wound on the horse's neck as well as its shoulder. The sight of the wound and the blood running in crimson rivulets down the horse's coat nearly made Link gag. He will not make it far, Link, Navi said. I can see that, Navi, he said heatedly. He hadn't meant to get angry. He was just sleep-deprived and still shaken from the close encounter. Had the wolf-host found him by chance, or had Ganondorf sent them? The thought chilled him, but there was little he could do now. Breathing deeply, Link considered his options. There were not many, Attempting to ride Blaze was out of the question. The whites of the stallion's eyes were showing, and foam flecked his mouth as he tried to rise. Link had to stop the wounds from bleeding, but he didn't know how. The cuts were deep, and he knew from experience how nasty Wolfo's bites could be. We need to get him to Lon Lon. Maybe someone in the town can help him, or the ranch even. He stopped, pausing when he realized something. Of course! The ranch! Mallon was still there. At least, Link hoped she was. She would know what to do. The horse finally quieted enough for Link to get close enough without having to worry about being clobbered by a hoof. Navi, meanwhile, flew off towards the ranch to see if anyone was home. How am I going to get him up? Link wondered, concerned that the horse would not rise at all. The worry was unwarranted. Once the horse was calm, Link was able to coax Blaze to his feet. He was limping badly, and whimpered with even the slightest pressure on his wounded leg. It will be all right, boy," Link soothed. Link gently stroked the injured horse. Blaze snorted as Link guided him towards the small gathering of dwellings in the distance that he knew was Lon Lon. Link kept surveying the environs, sure he would encounter some Bulbins leading the Wolfos pack. They never came. Blaze was almost stumbling by the time they reached the road leading up to the ranch. The faintest sliver of moonlight revealed the shuttered windows of the townhouses of Lon Lon. There was no welcoming light, nothing that promised hot food, a warm hearth, and a comfortable bed. Odd, Link thought. Once he had not cared for such creature comforts. When he first caught sight of Lon Lon Ranch, Link was suddenly afraid they would find the town and ranch deserted, He assured himself that if this were the case, the Navi would have told him by now. She was nowhere to be seen, and her absence worried him. Why was she taking so long? Finally, he spotted someone striding down the road towards him. It was not Malon. Link could barely make them out from the lantern light they held in front of them. If he had thought his heart couldn't sink any further than it had when Blaze was attacked, he was wrong. Ingo. Of all the farmlands at LonLon, Lon, Ingo had been his least favorite. In fact, Ingo and favorite probably didn't belong in the same sentence. Link had perceived him to be a very unpleasant man, even before he'd tossed Talon off the ranch. Before Link could think of something to say, and before Ingo could reach him. Someone else came storming along the path. It was Malin, with Navi zipping into view just behind her. Judging from Malin's clenched fists and the fury on her face, Navi had not caught her at a good time. Oh, you're not Gerudo, Ingo grumbled as he came to a halt. If you're after the inn, the town's that way. He thrust a finger towards the village. A wolfos attacked my horse, Link explained pointing to the wound on Blazer's shoulder. He needs help. Ingo took one look at the injury and scowled. He ignored Malin, whose gaze met Link's own, a faint smile tugging at her lips. Her warm demeanor faded swiftly when she shot Ingo a foul look while his back was turned. Put the beast down, Ingo grunted with no hint of concern. Be kinder to put it out of its misery. Link was not sure what Ingo meant. He knew it must not have involved helping Blaze because Malin looked utterly horrified. Ingo, she hissed. Ingo merely shrugged. It's a waste of time, girl. That horse will be nothing but a rotting corpse when that bite festers. I think I can take care of it. I think I can take care of it, Mallin said angrily. Fine, Ingo grunted, spitting on the ground. Look after it. I don't care if it lives or dies, as long as it doesn't interfere with your duties, and there's enough feed for the other horses. As for you, he looked back at Link. You can sleep in the stable until she's done, or choose the inn. Probably be about the same given how run down the place is. Although he did not care for a nice room as much as the average Hylian, Link flushed with indignation. He struggled to form a retort but Navi beat him to it. Hey, we're not some kind of lowlife that's just wandered off the street, she screeched, her voice pitched with indignation. Our horse will die if you don't help us, and we need to get to Kakariko on an urgent errand. Ingo ignored her, turned his back, and stormed off towards the ranch. Navi spared a few vehement words to his back. Link was tempted to follow her lead, but his concern turned back to Blaze. Will he be all right? He asked Mallon, who was bent down as she examined Blaze's injuries, her lips pursed. It's difficult to say. I will have to get him up to the stables right away. Mallin stood up and looked at Lane. Her earlier smile reappeared. I'll bite faintly. It's good to see you, fairy boy. I thought... She faltered, choosing to look at Blaze instead of him. I was dead. Link just inclined his head towards the ranch and Malin nodded. When Navi came, I couldn't believe it. I need you to take your gear. I doubt Blaze will make it to the stables otherwise, Malin said. Here, will you be alright carrying these? Without waiting for an answer, she unceremoniously dispatched the saddlebags and saddle onto the ground. Uh, sure, Link said. Malin beamed. Her smile was almost motherly, and he caught himself staring into her twinkling gaze. Hey, would you two hurry up? Navi snapped them back to the task at hand. She was close enough to Link that he could see a smirk on her face. As Malin led Blaze, Link followed, laden with his gear. Trudging up the winding path, he caught himself staring at Malin again. Navi's light illuminated Malin's silky red hair which fell neatly about her shoulders. He stared, admiring the way she held herself, and the way she almost skipped as she walked. Her hair seemed to ripple in the gentle breeze, and... Link flinched as Navi scooted to within an inch of his left ear, snapping him from his reverie. What? he asked, smiling innocently. It's rude to stare at a girl like that. Navi said, still wearing that infuriating smirk. Is everything all right back there? Malin called. She'd stopped and was peering back at the pair with inquisitive eyes. Yes, Link and Navi said at once. They looked at each other and then back at Malin. We're fine. Feeling the heat rising in his cheeks, Link quickened his pace to catch up with her. They quickly got Blaze into an empty stall in the stable. It was almost as Link remembered it, except that all the animals were gone. When last he'd been here, there had been a chicken coop behind the stables. Nosy usually curled up with him at night, and Tingle would chase Navi from one end of the stall to the other. Now there were no dogs, no cats, or chickens. Instead, a gloomy silence hung over the stables. Broken only by Blaze's pitiful whinnies. Link didn't have time to linger. He helped Malin procure a pot of boiling water, filling it with an assortment of herbs, as she directed him. They returned to the stables and coaxed Blaze into lying down before Malin cleaned and suited Blaze's wounds. They talked while they worked, in between Malin's instructions and trying to make sure Blaze kept still. Are you going to tell me what you've been doing these past seven years? Mallon asked. Sleeping, mainly, said Link. Navi gave a small chuckle while Mellon looked up from Blaze's leg and frowned. What? She looked bemused. Is that a joke? Long story, Link said quickly, knowing how difficult it would be to explain away his absence. I see... Malin stared at him uncertainly. Her eyes drifted off the horse for a moment. What made you come here of all places? No one travels on the road these days. Certainly not by dark. I came from the southern provinces when I heard the Kokiri were in trouble. Are they all right? Malin asked, looking up with concern. Link nodded. It was not entirely truthful to say they were all fine, but he saw no reason to elaborate. A lot of the Kokiri were still enslaved by the Gerudo. They're as fine as can be, all things considered. I'm surprised you didn't just go back there for safety, Malon said somberly. I wouldn't have blamed you if you did. I couldn't, Link answered. Not with things the way they are. And not since… well… Kokiri don't grow up, remember? Malon didn't seem remotely surprised. My father guessed as much. Link was stunned into silence. How could Talon have possibly known? He... He did? Malin nodded, and then said, He said that when you were here, the Sheikah suspected you were not really a Kokiri, but she forbid him to make any mention of it to you. Siara, Navi murmured. Malin faltered looking pained at the mention of her father. But then she pressed on. Did I tell you my mother joined the Sheikah? She asked. Link shook his head. No, you barely mentioned her. Her voice trailed off, her eyes suddenly moist. They rewarded her for her service, but then one day, she didn't come home. Instead, another woman came knocking on the door. She shivered at the unpleasant memory. Did you. did you get a chance to visit Orden while you were in the South? I saw your father there, Link answered, hoping to steer her away from unpleasant memories. Malin brightened at this, her face softening. You did? Is he alright? Link nodded. He misses you. Malin looked down at the straw on the floor again, shame written across her face. I keep thinking I should not have left. Now I don't know if I will ever see him again. I'm sure you will. Link tried to sound comforting. Yeah, Mallon said dejectedly. I'm sure I will. It was nearly morning now, and the grey pre-dawn light could be seen out the door of the stable's cold interior. The chill wasn't helped by the fact that Link's clothes were damp with sweat. He slumped back against the wall, exhausted. As Malin finished tending to blaze, Link barely noticed a mare poking his head over the stall. As Malin finished tending to blaze, Link barely noticed a mare poking her head over her stall. She stared curiously at her newest neighbor, and then nuzzled Link's head, whining softly. "'Epona remembers you, fairy boy,' Malin said with a smile." Link looked up at the mare. He had not recognized her before. Now fully grown, she stood taller than Blaze. Epona began nibbling at Link's hat, and when Link gave her an obliging scratch on the muzzle, she buzzed her lips in approval. I'm surprised she does, Link said. He ducked to avoid Epona's overenthusiastic nudge. She's a smart horse, Malin said, looking suddenly away from the horse, her eyes downcast. I will miss her. Link frowned. What do you mean? It's nothing, Malin said, a little too quickly. She looked back down at Blaze. There was a cloth, soaked in whatever mixture she had made, draped across the wound. Even with the stitches, there was still a faint red stain on the fabric. I have done all I can. Do you think he will be okay? Link asked, dreading the answer. How long until he can walk on his leg? It will be a while before we know, Malin replied. Link stifled a groan, not noticing how crestfallen Malin looked. You're awfully eager to be off again, she said, almost sounding hurt. Not that I blame you. Link looked at her in alarm. It's not that I don't want to be here. I'm expected elsewhere. I guessed as much, Malin said sadly. I'm sorry, it's just... I've always loved the ranch, but now it feels so empty. Almost everyone in the village has gone. The inn still keeps a fair trade with the Gerudo coming and going, but that's it. There's Gerudo here? Link exclaimed. He should have expected it, given how they now occupied Hyrule, and he felt foolish for not considering it. Malin frowned, as though she thought this should have been obvious too. Of course. They don't come into the ranch, though. Malin's gaze grew curious, Are you hiding from them? What? Link said, startled. No, of course not. He wasn't sure Malin believed him. Their conversation lapsed into a brief silence as Malin wiped her hands on a towel and started tidying her various herbs and vials. What happened to most of your animals? Link asked, desperately trying to keep the silence from dragging on. We've moved most of our livestock to Kakariko because the pastures are dying. Ingo has sold most of the horses and most of the farms are abandoned." Link wished they could talk about something else other than the dismal state Hyrule was in. He wanted desperately to remember the girl who'd laughed at the silliest things and who found nearly everything funny. The one who tried to teach him Hylian and chuckled at his stupid mistakes. The same girl who'd worked so hard to make him forget how homesick he was. Now Malin seemed fallen into melancholy and he truly felt sorry for her. She was staring vacantly at the straw strewn about the floor of the stable, refusing to meet Link's eyes. Link's hand twitched. He wanted to hold Malin. Hey. He draped a comforting arm around Malin, folding her in his embrace. He half expected her to object or pull herself away, but she didn't. She just lay there, Her head resting against his chest. Navi looked torn between an expression of sympathy and a look of amusement. Link felt the heat rising in his cheeks and suddenly found himself wishing there was more air in the stables. After staring at the pair of them, Navi excused herself, saying she needed some fresh air. It's so lonely here, Malin whispered. The other farmhands left with their families ages ago, and now... Epona's going too. Link frowned, looking down as her eyes glistened with unshed tears. A part of him was feeling horribly flustered, and he didn't know why. He wanted to tell her a dozen things, but the words just wouldn't form in his mouth. At the mention of Epona, he finally unstuck his tongue. What do you mean? Ingo's selling her. I told you he's already sold the other horses. She gave a shuddering laugh and then pushed herself up out of link's arm my mother would think i was being such a child right now i'm sorry here you are looking for help and i go dumping all my worries on you no don't be sorry he said for an instant he considered running away with Malin. they could flee together he could get her somewhere safe and no it was a stupid idea he'd be putting her in danger and that was not something he would do. Far better for her not to be associated with him. Not when he was, for all intents and purposes, a fugitive. Ganondorf wanted him dead, and he would not balk at the idea of harming Malin to get to him. Epona whinnied with concern at the sight of her distressed friend. Mallin quickly unfolded herself from Link's embrace, straightened, and walked over to her horse. It's all right, girl, she said, Running her fingers through the horse's mane. Can I buy Pona? Link asked, desperate to distract Malin from her misery. I need a horse, and with Blaze injured, I won't get where I need to go in time. I wish I could give her to you, but an offer has already been made, Malin said. Unless you have more than a thousand rupees, Ingo won't let you take her. Link's jaw went slack. A thousand rupees? That was more than he had. Way more. "That's what the offer is on Ipona," said Malin. "Do you have that much?" Link shook his head. "A thousand rupees? He'd be lucky to see even half that amount." "There is one thing," Malin said, her eyes brightening with sudden excitement. "Ingo likes to race horses, and he's a bit of a gambler." If you can convince him to race... Yes, that could work. Epona won't let anyone ride her. He won't suspect a thing. It's perfect. Link gave her a dubious look, not sharing her enthusiasm. Impa had given him some money, but if he lost it all on a horse, he would have a hard time explaining it to her. Perfect, if I don't fall off. Link pointed out. Well... Yes. Malin's elation seemed to fade a little. If you do, you would have to pay Ingo. Great. If it came to that, Impa would not be impressed the next time they met. Not if Link ended up cleaning out Muck from the stable for a month just to clear his debt. Well, somebody would have to come after him in a day or two, so that wasn't going to happen. You might want to clean up first. Ingo won't want you anywhere near him in your state. No offense, fairy boy. None taken. Well, in that case... And here Malin looked distinctly uncomfortable as her eyes strayed to the door. Before you go, there is one thing you should know. What is it? The other night, I discovered Ingo has been putting healing potions in the horse's feet. I don't… Then it dawned on him. If he understood correctly, Ingo had sold the horses just after adding potion to their feed. That would give the animals extra vitality and make them swifter than they normally were. In doing so, Ingo could sell the horses for far more than they were actually worth. That dishonest piece of… He couldn't quite finish, feeling outraged beyond words. He steeled himself, and then asked quietly, Have you told anyone? It's not like there's anyone else to tell, except the Gerudo, Malin said, equally quiet. And Ingo swore if I told anyone. She trailed off, fear bright in her eyes. He threatened you? Link asked. She nodded, her eyes shining suddenly with unshed tears. I think he's been doing it for a while now. I thought the horse's feed smelt a little odd, and when I questioned him about it, Ingo got angry. Then the other night, I caught him putting the potion in their feed. He was furious! She flinched, the recollection no doubt unpleasant. So, Link said slowly, if I race him, he'll drug his horse. Is that even allowed? It was illegal when Nohansen was king, Malin answered. The penalty was quite severe. Well, Link said slowly, that just means we'll have to give Epona some and make the odds even. What? You want to cheat as well? Mallon asked, aghast. It's hardly cheating if I'm evening the odds, Link pointed out. He looked at Blaze and then, why couldn't we give Blaze some? The amount we'd need to heal his wounds is toxic to most animals. Malin said, I don't know where Ingo keeps his potions, and I wouldn't dare go through his things. You won't have to, I have some, Link said. It won't do Epona any permanent harm, will it? No, a horse can consume a small amount without any ill effects, Malon said reassuringly. I will try putting it in a pail of water, easier to clean away the smell. Impa better not find out we did this, Link thought. Or else he'd really be in trouble. Late that afternoon, dressed and refreshed from the previous day's misadventures, Link strode over to the corral to find Ingo tending to a horse. Link briefed Navi on his and Malon's plan, including the bit about Ingo drugging the horses. Unease settled in his stomach as he approached Ingo. He knew just how wrong this plan could go. It also felt wrong to be cheating, no matter how much he told himself that he needed Ipona. He had to get to Death Mountain. If he lost, no, Link thought, I won't lose. If only telling himself that enough times could have made him less nervous. He drew in a breath, put on a pleasant smile, and greeted Ingo with as much warmth as he could muster. If he'd hoped that would soften the farmhand's opinion of him, he was left disappointed. What are you still doing here? Ingo barked not bothering to look up from the horse he was grooming. I can't let you stay here until your horse is better. Besides, I checked on it this morning. It'll be lucky to make it through the night. As I recall, that's what you said last night, Navi said flatly. Ingo grunted, not even sparing Navi a glance. Where did someone like you get that thing anyway? It was given to me. Link replied casually. Ingo snorted in disbelief. More like stolen. A shame he's wounded. I could have offered you a nice sum for it. He isn't for sale. But speaking of rupees, I hear you like to bet on horses, Link said. Would you care to place a wager on a race? Was that what I was supposed to say? He wondered. Malin had instructed him on what to do, but he was having trouble remembering what she'd said. <clears throat> Ingo's voice was disdainful, but he didn't sound suspicious, which seemed like a good sign. Mallon put you up to this, huh? Last I checked, your horse is in no condition for a race. Of course, you could always try out running my horse. Ingo chuckled at his own joke, oblivious to the scowls he received. Actually, I have one horse in mind, Link managed evenly. Pointing across the corral to where Ipona grazed, Ingo glanced over at her and laughed. Ipona, (laughs) Ha! Nobody can ride her. She's an unruly beast, but I'm told the Gerudo have ways of dealing with horses like that. Seeing Link's fierce determination, he smirked. You're not kidding, are you? Well, if you've got a spare thousand rupees, I guess I might be convinced to wager her. He took one glance at Link's clothes. If you had a thousand rupees, otherwise that sword of yours ought to fetch a nice price in town." "'It's not for sale,' Link replied firmly. Anyone buying the Master Sword would be quite convinced they'd just been ripped off when they discovered they couldn't actually wield it." "'What about the other stuff in that bag of yours?' "'Thought I saw an ocarina on you before,' Ingo said. "'None of it's for sale,' Link said and Ingo seemed to accept the finality in his voice. I can pay. He swallowed, knowing he'd have to give up something if he lost. He wondered briefly if the Gorons had another shirt of chainmail that would fit him. Link didn't let his fierce determination falter, Ingo noticed. Fine, he scoffed. You're a bloody fool if you think that's worth more than having enough food. All right, I'll race you. He turned around and barked Malon's name. She came scurrying around the corner of one of the buildings, a frown on her face. Her mood lifted when she saw Link, at least until Ingo caught her attention. "You girl, get Ipona ready. This idiot wants to race me," he ordered her. "I'll see to my horse." Link knew what that meant, and he almost frowned. "He wants to race Ipona?" Malin exclaimed in a feigned bewilderment that Ingo failed to notice. His loss, Ingo shrugged. Malon, still acting her part, begrudgingly went to prepipona. Ingo followed her, and they didn't have to wait long before Ingo came out of the stable and led his horse around the back of the building. Link knew what he was doing. Half in mind to catch Ingo, he almost pursued the man. No, he thought. If he did that, he'd ruin his chances of taking Ipona. Besides, what could he do? Threatened to haul Ingo over to the town guards? That might work. But then those very same guards would probably arrest him too. A thousand rupees? If you lose! Navi began, sounding worried. He shot her a sideways death glare that sent her quiet. I won't lose, he said calmly. He didn't want to appear too confident, otherwise Ingo would see right through the act. Malin brought Ipona and handed him the reins. Sure enough, Link caught the faintest whiff of healing potion on Epona's breath. I can't believe we're actually doing this, Navi muttered. Link shushed her. Ingo seemed to take forever. Then finally he reappeared from the back of the stables. Are you racing me on foot, boy, or are you actually planning to get on? He asked with a short guffaw. Link mounted, ignoring Ingo's taunt. Malin, meanwhile, quietly checked Ingo's horse, pretending to make sure his tack was well secured. When her eyes met his, Link knew she'd been checking to see if Ingo was cheating. He was. ''I take it Ingo doesn't have a good sense of smell,'' Navi whispered. ''That, her doesn't need much.'' ''Or breath stinks anyway,'' Link answered. He felt Ipona's weight shift beneath him, and he came eye to eye with the horse. If horses could understand speech, he would have said Epona was not in the least bit amused. Twice around the corral, Ingo declared, keeping his face straight. Link nodded. Ipona's ears twitched and she shivered in anticipation. On the count of three, Ingo said. One. Link leaped forward, ready to spur Ipona into a gallop. Two. Ingo kicked his horse into a gallop that was not three. Link cursed quietly. He put his heels to Epona, urging her into a gallop. She sprang forward, joyous and swift, rising to the challenge of the race. Malin hadn't been wrong. Epona was fast, faster than Blaze even. She responded to the slightest touch of the reins and seemed to guess his thoughts as he caught up to Ingo's horse. Closer and closer they gained on Ingo's steed. The man looked back in stunned bewilderment as Ipona came abreast of his horse. Then his expression turned to outrage as Ipona took the lead. That's impossible! Ingo roared, his face going purple. Ipona reached the line carved into the dirt. One lap. As they passed the starting point, Link slipped. There was a rush of vertigo and his stomach heaved in a panic. He grappled at the saddle, instinct saving him as he latched on with a curse while the ground rushed by beneath him. Ingo crowed with delight, sucking in a breath. Link shifted back to the right as his heart raced faster than Epona's hooves. That was close. As his stomach settled, Link relaxed. He had been clenching his teeth so hard his jaw ached. As his unease settled, the feeling of speeding along on his graceful steed became exhilarating. Ipona did not tire or break a sweat, thanks to the potion, no doubt. The cool wind billowing against his face, he exhaled with relief. He pulled Ipona to a halt as they crossed the finish line. Mallon maintained her act by pulling off an exclamation of total disbelief. "'How did you do that?' she shouted incredulously. A purple-faced ingo brought his horse to a standstill, coming alongside Ipona. He could barely get the words out he was so angry. "'I—' I don't know what you did to that horse. What damned magic you used. You can't have her, you hear me? You can't. A bet's a bet, Ingo. You promised, said Mallon. This was your doing, girl. You lost me, my damned horse, you little bitch. He snarled. Your father won't only be minus a wife by the time I'm through with you. Link recognized that threat. He looked from Malin, whose hand went halfway to her mouth in horror, and then back to Ingo. Link swung himself off Ipona as Ingo got off his horse. Ipona took this moment to aim a kick at Ingo, which missed and almost struck Link instead. Link swiftly grabbed Ingo by the scruff of the neck, slamming him into the fence of the corral. The man gasped while Malin gave a shout, and had to stop Ingo's horse from bolting. Don't. You. Ever threaten her again! Link snarled. He heaved Ingo against the fence, a rage seizing him. It was unlike any he had experienced, except when he thought Soraya had died. I will be back to check on both of you. If I discover you have had so much as laid a finger on her. He didn't finish. Hurting Ingo intentionally was not something he could stomach. He could still recall the day he knocked Mito out. Thinking for a horrible moment he had killed the boy, he would never forget how much he had regretted going that far. Navi was staring at him her eyes wide with shock. He felt a stab of guilt for scaring her, but shoved the thought aside. He would apologize later. Ingo, meanwhile, was trembling with fear. I'm sorry. Please don't hurt me. Not a finger. You understand? Link asked slowly, in the most dangerous voice he could muster. Crystal! Ingo gasped. Link dropped him like a poisonous toad. "'Good,' he turned around to see Navi gawking at him. "'Are you going to be all right, Mallin? Link asked in a much milder tone. She gave a mute nod, just as dumbstruck as Navi. Malin gave herself a little shake and rubbed the back of her neck. Um, "'Thanks. Shall we go to the stables? I'll show you how to look after Epona's tack.' Link nodded, breathing deeply as he forced himself to calm down. Ingo seemed to have plucked up some courage as he finally opened his mouth. "'I'll report you to the Gerudo. You're a horse thief, you hear me? A horse thief!' He stopped when Link spun around and shot him a death glare. "'Okay. Sorry. I won't report you.' "'Better not,' Link said. He could hardly believe Ingo's audacity. The man was a dishonest cheat, and yet that didn't stop him from calling Link a criminal.' Tell me you were bluffing before, Link. You wouldn't actually hurt him, would you?" Navi asked in a hushed tone when they were out of earshot. Right? He lowered his voice, tugging on Epona's reins as she followed them to the stable. I was bluffing. But Ingo doesn't need to know that.